So take your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 4. Let's look at the uh, parable that's under the one that Phil covered last week. Jesus is talking, he's talking about seed and how it grows. And he says this, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, and though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Notice a couple of things here. Like what Phil said last week is our goal isn't necessarily that we lead someone to Christ. That's We're very product-oriented, very success-oriented in America, so we think if we share, they've got to come to Christ or I'm a failure. That's not necessarily true. That's not really our job. Our job is to what? Sow seed. In the process of sowing seed, the seed, when it's planted in the ground, does what seed does. What does it do? It grows. Jesus says, first, you've got the stalk, and then, you know, the leaves come out, and then it produces a head, and then then you have, it ripens and you you have a harvest. So our job is to scatter the seed. Notice the farmer like us doesn't control what the seed produces. Right? He just scatters it. He doesn't control what it produces. The power to do that inherently lies within the seed. And I've said this before and I want to say this again. We forget what a miracle seed is. We just assume seed does what seed does, right? So like it's springtime, a lot of you are gardeners, a lot of you have flowers, you're doing all that kind of stuff, you've got raised flower beds and and you're planting stuff. Why? Because you know what seeds do. They're going to produce tomatoes, they're going to produce carrots, they're going to produce all this stuff that we eat. They're going to produce flowers that when neighbors drive by your house go, wow, check that house out, right? They're going to do all that kind of stuff. But we forget what a miracle seed is because when you look at a seed doesn't look like much right cover that in just a second how does this happen jesus says all by itself god has placed the miracle of reproduction within the seed how does this happen the farmer doesn't really know but what he does know is this if he wants a crop, he'd better spread some seed. Okay? He may not have a very good crop, but he's going to have no crop if he doesn't spread any seed. So he knows he's got to spread some seed. And, and the goal of the seed is to produce a harvest. The goal is that it would reproduce itself and it would continue. And that's the idea of a continuation. Uh, many Bible scholars have noted this and many speakers have used this illustration. But if you stop the sharing of the gospel in one generation, you lose the church. All you have to do is go look at what happened in Europe. Okay? One generation stops and you lose the church. So it's uh, just like plants, they're very fragile and yet very sustainable. Right? They keep going if you keep planting them, but if you take one summer and don't plant any, then you don't get any. So in our context, the uh, the the obvious harvest is baptisms right people who actually come to christ come to faith in christ 
But baptisms are a natural effect of planting seeds, of sharing our faith, of uh, speaking about the gospel to people. If we want some baptisms, we'd better spread some seed. And here's the thing that we should pay attention to. Don't evaluate it or judge it or decide on it based on what your sharing looks like. Right? That's what we do. Well, I'm not very good at it, so I'm not going to share. Because my seed isn't very good seed. I've looked at it. I'm not very impressed. Let's look at seed for a second here. Right? Had Margaret pull that out. If you just take one of those ones in the pile in the bottom there, and if I just had one seed right here, how impressive is that? Well, that's not very impressive, right? If I throw it on the floor, you probably wouldn't even notice it. And if you are a mom, you would, right? And then you say, get the vacuum cleaner out, okay? You're not going to take that seed and go, wow. You're not sitting here this morning going, ooh, oh, look at that seed. Oh, right? We're not doing that. And we're... um, it's not worth a lot of money, right? You have a seed, you go, oh, okay, you're not going to make me rich unless you're jacking the beanstalk, right, kind of thing. And um, you wouldn't take a picture of it and frame it in your house, just a single seed. Wow, that's a seed. That's impressive. We put that in the most prominent place in our house. Right? No, it's, you kind of look and go, eh, right? Kind of it. Unless it's a sunflower seed, then you eat it, right? <laughs> But that little, unimpressive, dried up, shriveled, brown, kind of little bit of nothing has incredible power in it. Okay? That one seed planted, if you continue to take what comes from that seed and keep replanting it, you can feed the world. That's how powerful it is. And the same is true of this analogy when we look at ourselves. Often, we look at our efforts of sharing and it looks like this dried up, shriveled little thing and when we throw it out to people, it goes thunk and we go, "Ah," and they treat it like that, right? They just vacuum it off the floor and say, thanks for sharing, gone, right? Kind of thing. And we're like, ah, it's not much, it's not impressive, it's not really worth anything. But that's not how God sees it. That's not how God sees seed. See, God knows the potential of seed. And he wants to have us have this incredible power to reproduce, right? Just as a husband and wife get married, what's the natural byproduct of a husband and wife getting married? Children, right? You expect people to reproduce. Yet we expect when we plant stuff in the ground, we expect it to reproduce. It has incredible power. But there's one condition that has to be met for that to happen. What's that? The seed must die to itself and it has to go into the ground. It has to be planted. Jesus gives us a great illustration of this and as always, he models it for us. This is in, whoops. This is in John. It says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless, uses the exact same illustration here, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Then he ties this to it. So whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. 
Now, this is one of those passages we always go, well, I haven't died to myself really well, so I haven't done so good, so now I beat myself up the rest of the message, and I don't remember the rest of what Steve said. Stop that, okay? Stop that. That is not the Holy Spirit talking. That's the devil talking to you. So just shut it down right now, okay? Reject that thought. Follow with me, because this is meant to be a blessing. Notice what the Lord says here. He says, where my servant is, I will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. God's favor, God's life, God's will be on us. So what's the condition that has to be met, though? The seed has to go into the soil. It has to die. The analogy here is that we have to die to our life and be placed in the soil of the kingdom of God. And then it, we will bear much fruit. Remember last week when Phil shared how he played Jonah? Remember when he said that God wanted him to share his faith and he freaked out and he ran? And, and he made a really good picture that God's a gentleman. He's going to let you go and then he'll just kindly chase you, right? And what Phil noticed is that for where he was at and what God had asked him to do, when he disobeyed, everything dried up. Nothing worked anymore. Nothing felt alive. It didn't feel real because he wasn't actually engaging in what the Lord had asked him to do. If you put it in a nutshell, he would say there was no fruit. Right? There was no fruit to what he was doing. Until what? And this is where I thought he did a brilliant job of articulating. He, he laid out his fears. And he told us what his fears were. He said, I, know, I was freaked out about how people might respond. I was freaked out how I'd look stupid. I was freaked out about all this kind of stuff. And he said, finally, I had to die to that. And I had to come alive that God didn't bring me this far to kill me and that actually something good might come out of it. And he said, I had to take that step of faith. That step of faith is being planted in the soil of the kingdom. You're not going off of what you know. You're not going off of what you trust. You're not going off of what you do. You're going off of what the Lord's told you to do. So it's, okay, I'm going to take a step of faith. Ah, right? We do that for sports. We do that for business. We do that for finances. We do that for Pete's sakes with marriage. Any of you nervous when you had to ask the gal? No? Oh, you were all cool and cool. Yeah, you liars. Okay? You were freaked out. Gals, you were freaked out he was going to ask too, right? It, but those steps of faith produce the best stuff in our life. And so look at that and realize that God didn't bring us this far to kill us. He wants good things to happen. He wants us to really know him. He wants us to know he's present. He wants us to know that the kingdom is here right now. And to do that, you have to take a step of faith and you actually have to share it. Phil had to die to his agenda and he had to come alive to God's. And that's what he meant by talking about he had to overcome his fear. And if we do that, if we serve by sharing, God will honor us. Now, this is a positive. What, what it's being, what's being said here is it can be done by ordinary people. You don't have to be a rock star to do this. You don't have to be super Christian. You don't have to be the world's most gifted evangelist. You, yes, you, yes, you, tiny little puny dried up seed, you sitting out there, you can do this. And Phil demonstrated how you could do it. Right? You can... Be blessed by God if you seek after them. And I, I just think Phil's story was a tremendous encouragement. 
I sat listening to the tape this week and marveled and wish I'd been in the service. I went. I would have liked to have seen that. That was killer good. Okay? So we are must also be stepping into that same kind of faith. I must surrender to the authority and lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's funny how that applies to every area in our life except evangelism. <laughs> right? That's, well, that's for the evangelist. That's why, Steve. Find that in the text for me somewhere. Okay? It seems to me that we all are supposed to share. So I have to die to my agenda, my wants, desires, cravings, and fears, and I have to come alive to the things of Jesus' kingdom. Any one of those things is to scatter the seed of the good news of the kingdom. Okay? Coming, so what that means when it comes to church is coming to church isn't about me showing you what a good person I am. Okay? Or you showing me what a good person you are. What church then becomes, if, if we're sharing, church becomes the coaching and encouragement to do the things that Jesus has called us to do. Why? Because we're kind of freaked out by it. So we all gather together. You freaked out about it? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm me too, okay? And are we going to step? Well, if you step, I'll step. Okay, well, if we both step together, we'll do, okay? Right? And we encourage each other to do the things that we know that we're supposed to do. Here's what happens, though. If we start telling God no, and this would be true of all areas of obedience, but for this morning's sake, especially in terms of sharing our faith, this would be especially true. If we say no to that, what happens is it all dries up. I'm no longer stepping in faith, so I'm just posturing, and then I sit here, and then church becomes really boring because it's all about something that I don't want to do. And it's like reading someone else's mail. And then I go dead. And church used to work, but it doesn't work anymore, so why go anymore? And that's what a lot of you see in our country right now is people have quote-unquote, given up on the faith. Why? Because they don't see God at work. Why? Because they were too afraid to share so they could actually see Him working. And my encouragement is, you're here this morning, you're still following, so let's us encourage each other to take these steps together. Jesus said it this way, or Paul said it this way, and this is really good. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here's what Scripture always does. It always points us back towards Jesus. It always points us back towards the cross and what he did on the cross. And it says, look, look, this. forget all this other stuff. Remember him. Remember what he did for you. Keep it front and central. When you do that, then taking a step of faith isn't so hard. When you forget about that, then a step of faith becomes really hard. Why should I do that? Why should I give myself up for something like that? Well, we should give ourselves up for him. Why? Because he gave himself up for us. We return, we reciprocate what he's done. And, and how do we do that? If I give myself up to him, because he gave himself up for me, how is God's life planted in me? I want to know that. How God's life is planted in me is by the Holy Spirit. Right? Look at Ephesians 1. It says, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, i.e. somebody shared with me. 
When you heard the message of truth. I'll bet you if we took a survey of this room, very few of us came to Christ through a Billy Graham crusade, although someone might have. Very few of us came to Christ through a radio broadcast, although one or two of us might have. Very few of us came to Christ uh, because of Christian television or that kind of stuff. If you talk to 99% of us, how did we come to Christ? Somebody shared with us. It was a relationship thing. It was a one-on-one thing. Somebody talked to me. And because they talked to me, I came to faith. As I stand here on this pulpit right now this morning... There are people who shared Christ with me that have no idea I ever became a pastor. Okay? I cannot wait to get to heaven and meet them and watch the expression on their face when like, oh, you're kidding, really? They, pastor, they had no idea I'd become a Christian, right? But they shared with me. I have people that shared with me down in North Carolina. I only met them once. I never met them again. And... They have no idea. Some of them are probably in heaven now. Probably laughing at this whole thing going, can you believe that guy actually turned the corner? Wow. Which just tells you you should always share because sometimes the most unlikely people, I know I don't look unlikely like now, but I was really unlikely 40 years ago. Okay? And the most unlikely people respond. Even the ones that respond the harshest, they're not near as tough as they would want you to believe. And you plant that seed and that seed starts growing in a crack and starts growing and then they become Christians. When you believed you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the person inside you that says you are owned by God. To the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit, the seed, is deposited in me. And this is the guarantee. And what does it produce? Well, like seed, it's intended to produce a harvest. God plants seed just like we plant seed. We plant seeds to grow crop. God plants seed. It's his Holy Spirit. And it's intended to produce a harvest just like this. Actually, this is not a difficult idea. This is an idea we're very, very familiar with. Let me just give you two illustrations. There's more, but for time's sake, we'll get this. Let's go to the sports analogy side, all right? Let's do the sports analogy side. Let's talk about NFL coaching tree. Here's an NFL coaching tree. If you go on the bottom, there's a name on the bottom. His name is Bill Walsh. In case you don't know about NFL football, Bill Walsh is one of the most famous coaches that ever coached in the history of the NFL. And Bill Walsh came up with a seed thought a brainchild, a development system, an offense. It was called the West Coast Offense. Okay? If you've watched any football all in your life, you hear that term repeated over and over on, during game days and that kind of stuff because it was, it's an offense that has infiltrated most of the NFL. Bill Walsh started it. Look at this branch. Look at this, what this, that seed has produced. There are some incredibly famous names on there, including our own Pete Carroll from the Seahawks, right? How many, how many Super Bowls do you think that represents? Most of them, okay? There are a ton there. It all came out of this one idea called West Coast Offense. When it began, was it that big of a thing? Did anybody know who Bill Walsh was? No. Now, he cheated a little bit. He had Joe Montana and Jerry Rice and... Yeah, okay. But 
But he was the one who put that into a system and turned it into an incredible coaching tree that exists throughout the NFL today. All right? Let me give you another illustration. More close to home, more personal. This is my family. Steve, you've got a big family. You have no idea. All right? This is, so my dad comes from a family of 15. My mom comes from a family of six. If you just took my dad's side, they all have big families too. So put 15 more of these side by side, right? We'd go to Bothell with it. It's huge. When my father passed, they did the memorial service and the line was three blocks out the funeral home down. The, and my kids were like bedazzled, like, Dad, how many cousins do we have? I said, a lot, you know. And I was laughing because Dave Weed was in the first service. He's met half of them and, you know, he gets overwhelmed with them. But this is my family tree. From one seed, my mom and dad, came all of this. Right? And it's still growing. There's a question mark up there somewhere. Yeah, over Dan, Nikki, and Bethy, there's a question mark there because Paxton's going to have a little brother or sister here really quick. So it's still growing, right? It's not done. It's still branching out. We understand that that seed is supposed to produce a harvest. So we know that it's true in football. We know that's true in family. Why wouldn't it be true with the kingdom of God? Why wouldn't our seed of faith have a mushroom effect in the community, in the place where we live? You know, if you think about these, this makes sense. Norfew was planted in Mill Creek. Why? To impact Mill Creek. And to share, to spread seed all over the Mill Creek area so that people would come to faith in Christ. And we are doing that. We are here right now, present term. But the idea is that we have to continue to scatter the seed. And Jesus says this. He says, look, you're not too impressed with your efforts, your ability. You don't have to worry about it. Look at him, Mark. He says, with what can you compare the kingdom of God or what parable could we use for it? In other words, what kind of picture could I draw for you that would make sense? He says, it's like a grain of a mustard seed, which when sown in the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. And yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. And I'm sure you've heard all kinds of sermons on mustard seed, right? How small they are, da-da-da-da-da-da. Forget all that stuff. It's just a tiny little seed. You can barely see it. But here's the deal. When you take that tiny little seed, if you plant it in the ground, it becomes this big bush that's big enough that even birds can land on it, all right? It turns into something way bigger than what it started out as. Okay? And what Jesus is saying here is the kingdom should grow. It's going to grow. Did it grow from that mustard? Was there any church when Jesus said that? Has the church grown big from the time he said that? Enormous, right? Do you think it's done growing? No, right? It's going to continue to grow. And so that little mustard seed that Jesus started has now grown into a worldwide movement. Flaws and all, a worldwide movement. That people today, there are more people coming to Christ right now, this second, as you sit in that chair, than ever have in the history of the world. 
God's not done. We need to have faith that it's still moving and it's still rolling. What seems little in our eyes, a, a little act of faith, sharing with someone, even clumsily, even badly, even hiccupy, even haltingly, is still planting seed. And you'll be amazed at how God can use that. Just like the coaching tree and the family line, it can grow into something really big. But it has to be planted. When we share our faith, we're literally planting seed. We don't know how or when or how it grows. Um, so I told you about people who shared with me, right? And they don't know I became a Christian. They don't know I'm a pastor. They, they have no idea anything's come from it. They just There was some dumb hippie kid who was all whacked out and was selling books in North Carolina, and they, he, they knew he needed help, and they shared with him, right? I've shared with hundreds of people. I don't necessarily know where it's all gone. I don't know what it's all produced. But I continue to try and share. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to be really surprised at what came out of the sharing. See, the results aren't up to us. What's up to us? The obedience step of just sharing. Just planting seed. Can you do that? And I'm going, yes, we, we can do that. Jesus says that seed will grow. How does it do it? All by itself. God has put the power in the message. The power's not in us, it's in the message. So I'm going to ask the guys to come forward and uh, would you begin to distribute communion for us this morning? Thanks so much. And while they're doing that, let me contrast a couple of things here. So what, what's my response to this? Well, it could be one of fear, like Phil talked. Fear, fear tells me to never say anything. It could go badly. It could blow up. It could go wrong. I could be made fun of. Yada, 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 yada. Right? Fear, fear tells me, you know, hey, Bible says with many words there's sin, and even a fool is seen wise if he keeps his mouth shut. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and look wise. Right? Now, certainly there's truth to that, but that's also taking a principle way out of uh, context, because obviously we're supposed to be sharing uh, our faith uh, when we're doing it. Um, it might be offensive. It won't work. It's not worth it. God will use others. That's, that's a famous one uh, that we like to land on, is that I'm not an evangelist. I, don't, I do believe there are gifts, and I do believe there's the gift of evangelism, and I do believe some people have that. But nowhere in the Bible can you find the verse that says only the evangelists share and spread the seed. The rest of you just sit there and be quiet because you'll mess it up. Give me chapter and verse. There is none like that. Right? We're all supposed to share. God gives evangelists to help us in the process of sharing. Here's what faith says. Faith says spread the seed. Take a risk. Take a step. Who could you talk to? Who could you come alongside and just ask if you could share Phil had some tracks and some things. I don't know how to do that. Just go ask Phil for some of those tracks. Plant everywhere and anywhere you can. And, and here's why. As it was shared with you, right? Somebody shared with you. As it was shared with you, so share with others. In other words, pass it on. Don't, don't hoard it. Don't just stuff it in your pocket. Pass it on. And so when we come to communion... 
While they're passing on, don't worry, they'll get there. Communion, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You don't often hear this in a a communion context, right? You hear uh, the cross context, you hear uh, Jesus' substituting or sharing death, all that is all wrapped in. But the original call was, come and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. And the, the train hooked to that is I will make you fishers of men. And as I... I forgot the, I, I forgot the transparency part. I was going to try and skip it. Okay, so here's the transparency part. So I've looked at my life over the last year and a half. I sat down because I knew this message was coming and I didn't like it. Um, because I myself have not been in a very fruitful season. I have also not been in a, more, a very cooperative season. I have kept my mouth shut most of the time, right? In full disclosure. Uh, not in church, but outside of church. I've just not said much. And I, I've prayed a lot, but I've not said much. And I realize that really I haven't seen too much happen in the last year. And the Lord's talked to me about, okay, so is this for them or is this for you? And I said, oh, I guess it's actually for me. Rats. Okay. Um, I have been praying the last several weeks the prayer, Lord, teach us how to be fishers of men. We don't know how to do it. We want to. I'm sure you're like me. I, I want to. I, but I, I, I hiccup. I, I jerk. I stop. I can speak with great boldness in this context. I, I'm not so good at the town center. You know what I'm saying? I'm not so good at the grocery store. I'm not so good in my neighborhood. Matter of fact, I'm lousy in my neighborhood, okay? which is pathetic. And so I went, wow, God, how could we turn that around? How, how could I turn that around? And I said, look, I, here's the prayer. You know how to do this. You've done this for centuries. You know how to get people going. I need you to help me be a fisherman. And would you make our church fishers of men? Would you help us to share and to spread seed? We're insecure. We're, we're awkward. We're, we're full of uh, fear. We stumble. I stumble. And we're good at church grant, transfer growth. We're not very good at people coming to Christ. And, that, and, and eventually that's going to mean the death knell for Northview. And so I've begun to pray. So if you get into problems with this and you're being pushed, to, you can blame me for it, all right? Uh, because I thought, well, if I have to do it, so do you. That was kind of my thinking, right? God, teach us to be fishers of men. And I realized in communion that was tied to following him. Come, follow me. What did Jesus say? This is my body which is broken for you. Right? They did the worst to me, but he still shared. He still planted the seed. He said, do this in memory of me. And then he took the cup, which is a symbol of his blood that was shed for us, costly, right? For the price of our sin. He said, I won't drink of this until I come back. He said, but I am coming back. I think people need to know that. Would you guys be willing to share? 
And I said, boy, Lord, please help us. Help us know how to plant seed. And he said, drink this in memory of me. I will make you fishers of men. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. Again, please don't guilt trip. Please don't beat yourself up. Please don't. That's not the goal this morning. Here's the goal this morning. We can do this. We can do this not because we're awesome or we're cool or we're special or any of that. We can do this because God told us we can. We can do this. And we can see some surprising things happen. And we can be astounded. And I guarantee you, uh, we might be terrified. We might be elated. The one thing we won't be is bored. Okay? You can only hide behind solitary for so long. You can only hide behind Fortnite for so long. You can only hide behind TV for so long. Eventually, you've got to get down to, am I going to do what Jesus asked me to do? And then we've got to take a step. Let me pray for that step. Father, I'm sure a lot of my friends can relate to the feelings and emotions I'm talking about. <clears throat> Satan would love to stir up the fear pot right now. He would love to get everybody in this room just backpedaling and second-guessing and um, defensive and all that kind of stuff that we do when, when we get scared and we get insecure. But Lord, you didn't do this to punish us. This is meant to be a great blessing. And those who cooperate and who take this step of faith, Lord, you said you would honor. And we long for your honor. And this is a very practical way we can do it. Jesus, you knew how to find men. You still know how to find people. Jesus, teach us how to fish for men. We ask for that favor in your name. Amen.